0: Howdy, partners. Welcome to episode 32. Kate and I were, like, trying to think of things for us to talk about for our intro because we have some new bestie bops thanks to our viral TikToks and us hitting 10k on the meme page, but Kate was literally like, it's June, and I was like... Report.
1: and i'm gonna throw i'm out of her apartment window for saying bestie pop <laughs> I'm fucking kidding we love all
0: bestie bops out someone there. someone who introduced themselves on geneva if you're listening to this i love you and i thought it was really cute but she was like hi girly pops <laughs> or something i was like that's cute
1: yeah you know cmus girlies is gender neutral i'm glad we had that debate you guys are really asking the tough questions in these trying times but it is new gender neutral i don't feel like I don't know. What? Girlies. Seen-off girlies? Yeah. Anyone can be a girlie. Right, exactly. Yeah. Just like girlies. Uh, you guys know about TikTok. Emma and I are both on the platform. Follow us. It's both of our names. Like, just go hit the like button, comment some shit. It's nothing special. Just us with our manic thoughts. Yeah, I'm making connections. I have a crush that's killing me. He's not listening to the pod. There's no fucking way. You guys already literally know who he is. Some someone of it, you in Geneva, hold on. <laughs> or I'm outing you. I don't even know who you are. You, I was like, let's gatekeep my crush, whatever. Someone goes on one of my TikToks, tags him on girl, the video.
0: Girl, you can't do that to Kate. Yeah,
1: literally, you ruined my life. I'm kidding, whatever. Um, it's all fine. we're
0: drinking Zevia per usual,
1: ginger uh, root ginger beer, beer, yeah. Um, Once again, Zevia literally wants us dead. Yeah, they-
0: Zevia really. We have we've given done so, so much, much fucking free, free, free PR. Yeah, we nothing. Had- they are crickets in the DMs. What <laughs> is up with that? If someone has a Zevia, can I? Emma's moving
1: her hand. You can't see it. <laughs> um but yeah literally zevia like guys what have we done wrong to you we've yeah. gotten like millions of people around the world interested in your product i would like one simple case one what if we did a flavor development you know how that'd like cool. with the airheads the candy how they have that mystery flavor that'd that's cool. like white mystery. we have a mystery flavor <laughs> yeah. and it's sea moss zevia <laughs> that'd be funny
0: um also once this goes live you guys will <gasps> already have heard this but we have a fucking patreon boom um,
1: Um, Yeah, Emma and I have decided that we want to give you guys more content and the only way that we can ethically continue with doing that (laughs) is that we need to get compensated in some way because we want to do this full time. Also, many of you know we are launching a business, hashtag girlboss. And so we need to have some money to help fund that. What will you be getting if you subscribe to our Patreon? I'll include the link in the podcast so you can go and swipe up and look at what we're doing anyways. Also, no, we have swipe ups on Instagram. Crazy times, guys. Crazy fucking times we actually can link to the podcast. But on Patreon, yeah, you know, there's going to be some mukbangs. And then I have ideas of you're going to actually see us eating food. Like we've gotten a lot of questions like, oh, pantry tour,
0: like video. No, podcast, you just get the voices. But I was thinking also we could do something where it's like Kate and I try to like bake. Something without a recipe and just use whatever's <laughs> in our fucking pantry because her flowers. and I are really incredible at being terrible at baking. Xanthan being. gum,
1: like just throw random stuff in there. But I wanna do a mukbang of like every single flavor of sauerkraut
0: we can find. Or like a mustard taste test, kind of like the hot ones. Yeah, like you guys can send us in. with carrots. Send us carrots. No.
1: (laughs) Send us carrots from your country of choice. No, I was going to say, like, you guys can send us suggestions of what you want to see us eat. Obviously, I think we should do one related to last week's podcast, where we eat, like, food that we ate growing up. I want to see some kid cuisines. See, just giving ourselves stomach issues. Yeah, you guys can pay for us to get, like, Digestive issues, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's going to be the top tier of Patreon. You just are going to be giving your money to have, give us IBS. Mm.
0: Um...
1: You know, there's gonna be also incentive if you want to join Patreon that you're gonna get access to merch early and like extra merch. So, true, CMOS girlies, cause Geneva's getting wild. We have over a thousand people in there, and it's kind of crazy, and we don't really know how to contain all of the crazy combos. And make it still like an intimate space. Yeah. So if you want to be intimate, if you want to be intimate, let's get on Patreon, girlies. Yeah. We gotta level up. But that brings us to today's shot. We're gonna be talking about macros and micros because we're bodybuilders <laughs> tracking our macros. No, I'm kidding.
0: There's just like so much obsession with. Macros and micros and everyone's like, carbs are the devil or fat will make you fat. We're here to just tell you the truth, the facts. This is like very rudimentary research, so like if you're an elevated wellness squad, you probably know like the different types of carbs and blah, blah 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 but maybe you don't maybe you don't we get all these little refresh you know maybe you were brainwashed by f- fully raw christina and
1: that <laughs> was free bad banana bad. girl i'm cr- i'm surprised at how the, the cultural hold that all the high carb low fat vegans had on society crazy because everyone relates to those fucking memes i press send and i know this is going <laughs> viral don't even worry about it yeah it's crazy so once again, your your roles and responsibilities as a listener are to leave us a review in the Apple Podcast store, like our memes, and now you can go on to Patreon and get extra content. Get extra
0: content, follow us on TikTok. Y'all have a whole list of things you have to do now. <laughs> it used to be so easy. It really was just like only listen to the pod and like, like the meme the memes. page Now now you guys have like homework, yes. lots of homework. Literally. It's <laughs> only gonna get more and more. <laughs>
1: Classes and sessions, so get your notebooks out because Episode 32 of What the Fuck is CMOS is now going to start. Ready, end, scene, go.
0: Okay, and we're ready to go. I hope you have your notebooks out, your little pens. Class is in session. We know it's summer break, but there's always ample time for learning. A lifelong learning promotion by the CMOS girlies. Yes. So Take it away, Emma. Let's get into it. We're first going to start off with macronutrients because, again, these are like, you know, the main. Stuff that you guys be consuming. The building blocks. The building blocks. Thank you. Um, so yeah, macros. They are the nutrients we use in the largest amounts of energy in order for us to function properly. And so there's obviously the four groups. Carbs, protein, fats. Just kidding. There's three. I'm <laughs> like, whoa, bestie, you
1: really <laughs> fucked up there. I was letting <laughs> her go, guys. Then I was like,
0: wait, what's the fourth? I thought you were going to say something like CMOS. I just CMOS. feel like everything always comes in fours. <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to be like, and hey, am CMOS. Um, anywho, so carbs, these are sugar molecules that our body breaks down into glucose, AKA blood, blood sugar. And this is our main type of energy source for our body. Now, everything, pretty much everything is a fucking carb because if it's a sugar starch or fiber, it falls under the category of a carbohydrate. So sugars are going to be the most simple, simplest form. And they can be obviously added to, you know, baked desserts when you use like coconut sugar or like white sugar and then they're also naturally occurring in like your fruits and then there's going to be the starches which are complex carbohydrates and these are just many simple sugars that are strung together and then there's fiber which is another complex carbohydrate and your body can't actually break these down instead they pass through your body undigested now everyone's always like a high fiber diet is so important and that's because it can increase the weight slash size of your stool and it also softens your stool so it just helps you become more regular and have more consistent bowel movements. And it can also control your blood sugar devil, levels. Now, why people think carbs are the devil. I first wanna preface by saying that like not all carbs are created equal because like a hot fudge sundae is a carb, but so is broccoli. But like how your body reacts and like utilizes the energy, or like. You know the components within each food such as the calories and the nutrients are much different a highly processed sugar laden product, such as like you know hot fudge sundae will spike your blood sugar thus giving you like a short burst of energy and then you'll experience a quick downfall you'll feel hungry again and then feel the need to eat whereas something that is a complex carbohydrate such as like you know kabocha squash or a potato it's going to not spike your blood sugar as quickly it'll be a longer burst of like more smooth energy and now there's obviously been a lot of talk about like low carb diets and with a low carb intake your body ends up going to burning fat as its main fuel source thus which is ketosis but this can make you feel extremely sluggish and dizziness there's a lot of talks on you know like the keto flu and keto became actually popular in the 1930s to treat epilepsy Then it rose to fame again in the 2000s with the Atkins diet. So there's always been, like, this carb fear-mongering. And I feel like that's why everyone still kind of talks about, like, oh, I'm, like, trying not to eat as many carbs. Or, like, why keto is also so big because I think of just, like, this constant fear. And I think it can get – you can go down a slippery slope when you start fearing carbs because you might start being, like, oh, I'm, like, just not going to eat, like, you know, banana bread and stuff. And then it's, like, you know, being fearful of eating, like, broccoli or oats. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: I think a lot with like this whole podcast episode is I think when you get into an area where you're demonizing any of the major three food groups, it's gonna you're gonna lack some sort of nutrient or it's gonna get too restrictive that you can't really create meals as well. Yes. Yeah. The next section with, like, carb, carbs and blood sugar is going to be talking about what's, I think, kind of commonly known. I'm sure some of you wellness gods know what the glycemic index is. So it ranks carbohydrates on a scale of one to a, 0 to 100 based on how quickly and how much they raise your blood sugar levels. So this is, like, how I'm was talking about, like, when you have that crash after eating stuff or if you can sustain your energy throughout It's all due to the insulin reaction, so that your pancreas is going to be the main organ in your body that releases insulin when you do eat carbs. And that's why a low-carb diet is often recommended for those with diabetes. That's, like, the biggest, I would say, medical recommendation for people to eat a low-carb diet is those with, like, diabetes. And another thing that is, I think, really, really common now in like wellness research, wellness podcast, medical research is insulin resistance. And so that comes from inflammation. And that is a big issue for most people. Like we all have some sort of like insulin resistance when we're trying to deal with our blood sugar levels. Um, And one thing that I think is another like trendy thing that might not work for you, it might work for you, is taking time between your meals to reduce the insulin sensitivity So eating is a very inflammatory act by nature because you're you're forcing your body to process stuff. Like obviously you have to eat. That is not, I'm not saying anything beyond that, but the act of eating itself is inflammatory. So that's why there's this rise of intermittent fasting that you're taking breaks between your meals um, to provide some sort of rest and digest for your body is like some MDs start to say. Another thing that I've personally practiced is like kind of, waiting 20 minutes after i eat a meal to assess hunger cues i think this is just something that ties back to eating disorder where like i don't know if i'm like really hungry or i'm emotionally eating or like if my body is full or not because hunger cues are something that are still really hard for me um and so i think with insulin sensitivity and blood sugar and like if you have a crash after meals or if you actually need to go back and have seconds or have like a dessert or something after a meal those playing around with the times of your meals and honestly like it's going to be difficult because i think some of our podcast listeners like are experiencing some sort of eating disorder recovery right now you might be told like you have to eat three meals and three snacks and that might feel like a lot of eating for you or some people are like well I want to eat like four small meals throughout the day and I think this is going to be a very individualized thing because like we can't tell you how many times to eat throughout the day especially if you're working too like you might not have breaks and so take that I think when MDs say like you should fast this many hours between work it's kind of like well fuck you I have to like I only have one break at work, so I can't do that. So that's carbs for you. Um, some people, yeah, say they're the devil. Some people say you need them. Once again, we're not we demonizing anything. Yeah, we love our sweet potatoes, Japanese squash, Japanese squash, Japanese sweet potatoes, <laughs> kabocha squash. Jesus. Um, the next group is going to be protein. So I think the main like thing that is like we often put in memes about protein that like we got when we were vegan was like how much protein do you really need? Like, you're going to be deficient in protein. You're going to die. Yeah. Um, And so there's often conversation, like, how many grams should you try to hit? And the recommended, like, dietary amount that's, like, from the USDA is that you should try to consume, like... 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of your body weight for a sedentary adult now this is going to change a lot based on your activity levels your goals like you how active you are in the day like training wise like you might want to supplement for more protein or like after i work out have more protein than my other meal where meals where i'm not working out um but i think the biggest conversation with protein that we're going to touch on is like vegan protein sources because emma and i were vegan for like four-ish years emma longer than i and i was always cautious like damn, maybe I'm not getting complete proteins or like I'm not at the the optimal nutritional levels because my, my amino acid profile is incomplete. So this brings up the topic of what is an incomplete versus a complete protein. So protein, as I just said, are made up from building blocks called amino acids. There are essential amino acids, and this is going to be the nine that your body cannot make, and so you have to supplement with your diet. The non-essential amino acids are going to be the ones that your body can traditionally make, and then there's going to be something that are called conditionally essential amino acids, and those are going to be ones that are really um, essential to build during adolescence, pregnancy, or if you're experiencing any trauma or illness, your body might like lack amino acids because your body's like compromised during those times. But overall the biggest issue when you are vegan is that some of your protein sources might be incomplete. Now you might be saying, well, like I'm eating like, you know, my vegan protein powder and chickpeas and tempeh and like eating enough protein throughout the day. Protein from plants is going to be more difficult to absorb just due to like the actual, like, I didn't want to get into the scientific amino acids, like lysophene, whatever, this word, this word, this word, but you might struggle and I think I felt like that performance wise like even if I did supplement with vegan protein powder or I had my tempeh I never felt like I was satiated I never felt like I was recovering as well now I think I've been non-vegan for like Ish months, four ish months, I don't know.
0: Six, simply since, since like, what January? January. January, yeah. It was yeah. kind of a
1: weird, like New Year's, it wasn't even New Year's relation, New Year's resolution related, it just but happened. like, yeah, just happened. Um, but I just feel like less achiness, I feel a lot more satiated after my meals, especially like wor- working out. Like, I just feel a lot better performance wise, but that's gonna be something that changes for you because the most important thing about protein is that you cannot be protein deficient as long as you're eating enough. Um, so a plant-based diet, if it, as long as you have enough calories and you have a, enough variety of your protein sources, you're not like only eating at edamame and that's it there's very little worried about being like incomplete in your protein sources because you are eating enough calories. So like, that's a huge thing. I think that's like in the American diet that you need to get like such high amounts of protein and like, it's very difficult to actually be protein deficient. So you're probably doing fine, but if you feel like you are maybe a little bit sluggish or you aren't, yeah, like recovering as well, you could consider incorporating things like eggs or fish,
0: but very individualized to what your needs are. Next fats so you know we all experience the high carb low fat i'm trying to think like we've had some people comment on the memes like mm-hmm. oh i don't even get like what
1: this is and i'm like look you're lucky you you're don't lucky. want to experience it but like i don't want to send them down a youtube rabbit hole but like how don't can go I... down it basically it was a bunch of youtubers that lived on random islands and they were like if you eat fat, you will be fat. You need to eat 80% carb, 10% fat, 10% protein. I took that by heart me when too. I was
0: 16, 17. I was on like, going
1: crazy. I was like, I need to track my macros or I'm going to die. Like, Freely's going to kill me if I eat. My- I really remained so fearful until, like, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm and I really had to, like, help each other through, like, buying olive oil and stuff for the first time. Um, which was recently, but overall, like the yeah you know, the hacker blow fat thing, it was just like made a lot of women lose their periods. We'll yes. say it, leave it at that.
0: But anyway, fats are definitely extremely important for us to consume in our diets, especially because it helps with your reproductive system and it helps in absorbing other nutrients. Like if you eat a salad and doesn't have any fat, you're not going to be like absorbing any of the nutrients really at all in it. Um, so again, there's different types of fats, just cause just like there are different types of carbs. And so the first one is going to be saturated. These are just going to be solid at room temperature, such as milk, cheese, margarine, tropical oils like coconut or palm oil. Now, saturated fats can raise your cholesterol, but it's all about the quality of the saturated fat because, you know, coconut oil and then also a feedlot fast food burger, like those are both forms of saturated fat. However, that highly processed fast food burger is also going to have high amounts of sodium and other probably like chemicals, whereas the coconut oil is just going to be a natural source. Then there's going to be the trans fats, which are byproducts of hydrogenation, which is basically turning healthy oils into solids. And that's essentially like ways to make, you know, the flake on the flake, a crusty flake on your pie, like super like buttery and soft. And there's no known health benefits of trans fats. And these can raise your cholesterol like significantly. And so that's why in 2015, the FDA banned artificial trans fats. And these have slowly been phased out um, by 2020. And there's gonna be naturally occurring trans fats found in meat and dairy, but it's more of like the artificially like man-made types that are extremely bad. Next is gonna be unsaturated. So these are li- these are gonna be liquids at room temperature. Mainly they come from plants. And this is the only source that will really lower your cholesterol. And there's two types, mono and polyunsaturated. So mono unsaturated, this is gonna include things like olive oil, almonds, hazelnuts, pumpkin seeds. And polyunsaturated are going to be items like flax seed oil, walnuts, and fish.
1: Yeah, and this kind of ties into the next part where I think there was like this anti-fat thing. Along with the high carb, low fat and veganism, there's like this fat-free craze going on in the 1990s. Now, Emma and I were not born yet, but I know that has experienced a lot of like how I was raised food-wise because my dad has experienced heart issues. And so there was a lot in the medical research like do not eat butter. It's going to kill you. Don't eat eggs. It's going to really raise your cholesterol. It basically it forced uh, manufacturers of food companies to take out the fat and replace it with sugar. So they did this study in 1977 and be, it was because a lot of food scientists and also like medical professionals started to believe that saturated fat was the main card of heart dis- cause of heart disease. And so they, they decided that they would create this like national, almost like statement to the USDA that cholesterol or the bad cholesterol is in the blood is like raised by saturated fat but the evidence was all based on an uncontrolled experiment, which is something that you should watch out for. And I think this is really difficult because if you you guys asked in Geneva, like, what is the best way to go about any sort of medical research on, like, is this food good for me or is it bad for me? It puts, puts so much burden on the average person to read through medical literature that, like, at the point where it's like, I can't even fucking get through these medical journals. And so it's like, it sucks when I feel like we can't trust the information. And this is not me getting conspiracy. I'm just saying, like, there is – evidence of the industry like promoting a lot of food studies in the United States and just like other industries as well like a lot of the lobbying against climate change is like Exxon Mobil is the first one putting money into it. And so that's an issue where like if you really want to know this type of stuff it is put on you to do the research and that's kind of the hardest part to think about like wellness and health
0: stuff generally. Um yeah, and another thing that I think that falls under the fat category that i think a lot of people talk about but don't fully even really know what it is is like omega-3s and omega-6s like make sure you're getting the correct ratio like chia seeds this chia chia seeds that so omega-3s are a polyunsaturated fat and it's an essential fat so basically your body cannot produce it on its own it has to obtain it through consumption of food in your diet and omega-3s are known for promoting like Heart health and also it may support mental health too there's obviously limited studies on that but it may potentially help in supporting mental health and omega-6s are polyunsaturated fats as well they're also essential so you have to obtain obtain them from your diet and this is going to be like it's mainly used just for energy and now a high omega-6 consumption can lead to potential inflammation and there's a lot of talks about how most of us are consuming more omega sixes than threes and so we have to increase our consumption of omega threes and that's why there's like a special ratio that I didn't include in the research but there is like kind of like the ideal ratio. No obviously like no one has time to fucking think about if they're getting the correct ratios. Yeah. But I think it's just, you know, if you do you have the opportunity to throw in some chia seeds into your oatmeal or yogurt, maybe just do it. And mm-hmm. you know, it'll obviously help and it but it also won't hurt if you don't add it. Yeah. Um, So that's just like something to kind of keep in mind. And then another thing too that I think a lot of people in Geneva always have asked about and is just like, do women need more fats or like, what's the benefit of a high fat diet? And especially for women, we are going to need to have maybe increase our intake of fats as it is going to keep your reproductive system healthy. If you do reduce your fat intake there, you do have the possibility of, you know, not, having your period and I know like when I was trying to get my period back an increase in fats definitely helped me and also like fats do you have more calories per gram so it's also just like a really healthy and easy way to get more calories into your daily diet yeah and i when i was
1: gaining my period back i think i was really scared to eat fats because i knew they were higher in calories Mm -hmm. so like when you're fighting an eating disorder and you're told to eat something that's more calorie dense or like a fat in general it is scary but it is something that will speed up the recovery process for you um and the next part of it is like there's once again a lot of this like high carb low fat bullshit about like eating a low fat or a no fat food like we talk a lot about like pb2 and like that's useful in some circumstances if you also are getting enough fat other ways but there's no regulation around what qualifies as like no fat or low fat like a lot of this is marketing on food products like we kind of mentioned in the one episode that we recently did about food labeling um and so you're probably going to find things like sugar or corn syrup on packaged foods that do have these like trendy labels of being low fat or diet foods so there's always going to be trade-offs when you are like choosing to opt in for like low fat or like any sort of trendy food basically um and especially i think now versus like in the early 2000s it's like we rely on influencers and instagram to give us our health advice and so it's like a lot a lot less research than was even going on then into like what to
0: trust and so like i think kind of the overarching thing about like with macronutrients is like what should you focus on exclusively or should you just like worry about like overall balance You know, cutting out one food group from these three areas is going to lead to potential nutrition, nutrient nutrient deficiencies. My God, Emma, because again, like this is like your, these three groups are going to be your body's like main source for optimal function. So if you're going to cut out, if you like cut out protein or consume too low protein, you have the potential to lose muscle. And if you consume a very low carb diet, you're going to feel sluggish as like carbs again are your body's main source of fuel and energy and then a consumption that is too a diet that is too low in fat will just possibly lead to an imbalance in hormone levels.
1: Yeah, and I think this ties into the idea that a lot of people see on the internet of food combining. Versus like thinking about how all of the nutrients work in conjunction like our bodies are very mechanic and have worked and worked for decades And so introducing some concept like well I only want to isolate and eat carbs for this meal or like this has to be my protein meal and I have to time them out throughout the day That's not what our ancestors were doing and frankly like I don't know why people love to play god Like they know more than their body does your body knows how to break down nutrients And so it's like our body uses these all together and that's why I think like I was saying all macros are essential Um, but not for all you, I'm I'm imagining you guys' hands are really fucking tired, you know, just so many notes in that section, um, classes in session, but we're going to get into micronutrients and then some other topics that we think all the wellness guides should know about in the next section. You know Emma and I can't shut up about starting your day with the perfect oatmeal toppings. And you're probably thinking, what could be better than securing a bag of maca powder or matching with a boy who actually knows what adaptogens are?
0: Um, hello, a large and juicy medjool date. That's why we're so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, Julie's. Julie's is a pantry staple for all the wellness gods. Their hand-picked medjool dates from Coachella Valley, California are certified USDA organic, naturally vegan, and free of all allergens.
1: There is no better way to snack on Jolie's than with your favorite nut butter or on a bowl of oats. And Jolie's even has a date syrup to drizzle on a stack of pancakes.
0: So if you want to taste some Jolie's for yourself, definitely use code CMOSGRILLIES for 15% off your first order. Now back to the show. Hey girlies, this wouldn't be a podcast called What the Fuck is CMOS without us having a CMOS sponsor. So, it's time to learn what the fuck even is CMOS, thanks to our newest sponsor, 26th in Love. CMOS contains 90% of the minerals that the body needs. Some even call it nature's multivitamin. Crazy, huh? Here's just a preview at some of its benefits. Are you struggling with gut health? CMOS. Struggling with inflammation? CMOS. Struggling with adrenal fatigue? CMOS. Struggling with constipation? CMOS. You can
1: use the code CMOSGRIS for ten percent off CMOS gel from twenty six and love. Time to become a wellness god. We're back to the next part of the podcast on micronutrients, as Emma and I were researching
0: gum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why that relates, you but went down a to- trip down memory lane and talking about big league chew
1: Emma and i've just been trying to stay humble as a wellness god and you know really tapping into our flaws like zevia has become a sore spot for us we consume like four cans you guys don't oh well he
0: just exposed how much we consume Uh,
1: yeah yeah Yeah, sometimes i don't want to know how sometimes a six pack in a day (laughs) (laughs) it's busy ceo hours (laughs) but i'm obsessed with juicy fruit gum now and so if anyone has any connects to like Pub Bubba. We really think they would be a good podcast sponsor.
0: we <laughs> um, can talk about all the incredible health benefits. Yeah.
1: Um, so that's something to look forward to. Maybe we'll get some Kid Cuisine sponsor. Okay. Micronutrients. So macronutrients, I think, are talked about just like you learn about this when you're growing up eating food. Like the food pyramid is very obviously like defining these foods as like big, understandable concepts. But the fun, sexy things like micronutrients are really critical because if you are eating less than optimal amounts of vitamins, minerals, and other compounds... You still could have a number of major illnesses, and you can't make micronutrients internally. And micronutrients can actually be divided into four different groups, which I'm going to get into now. So take notes, once again, because these are like advanced wellness things. So water-soluble vitamins are going to be ones that, i.e., dissolve in water. They're generally not going to be stored in your body. This is Some of the examples of this are going to include the entire B vitamin complex, also some C vitamins, and this is why it's really critical you get them in your diet, because once again, you cannot like create them naturally. Um, And so one of the biggest, I think, compounds within the whole water soluble camp is going to be vitamin B12. Anemia, if anyone has experienced that, is going to be one of the classic symptoms of a deficiency of either vitamin B9 or B12. B12, I think, is talked about a lot with vegans because... Animal source foods are the only dietary source of vitamin B12, which is going to be meat, dairy, seafood, and eggs. So if you're vegan, it's really critical that you supplement for this because nutritionally,
0: you probably won't do the job. Yeah,
1: (laughs) and I think a lot of people love to be like, "Oh yeah, like spirulina is going to get me like protein and stuff." But then when you look actually into like the nutritional like compounds in comparison to like an equivalent serving of like salmon or something, it's not the same. So B12 is a critical water soluble vitamin that you should be looking out for. The next category of micronutrients is going to be fat-soluble vitamins, which dissolve in oil, i.e. liquid fat. The vitamins that are going to be included here are going to be vitamin A, D, E, and K, kind of like a quick fire, I think, explanation of those four vitamin a we often like signify with our eye health um vitamin d is going to be bones vitamin e is going to be skin and k is going to be blood and tissue i think the biggest one here again is going to be vitamin d deficiency a lot of vegans could watch out for this or people that are not exposed to natural sunlight this is why we hear a lot in like the winter i feel like everyone knows that there's like going to be some sort of vitamin d deficiency because you don't have natural sunlight exposure but the main effects of a vitamin D deficiency are going to be things like osteoporosis or osteopenia, depending on when you catch it in your life. And it's not easy for a person to naturally know how much you're getting from the sunlight. So, like, you could go outside and be like, Yeah, I'm good for today, but you really have no idea scientifically. So, that's another one to supplement for. The next category of micronutrients are going to be macro minerals. And so, the The fancy words will go down a little laundry list here, but it's going to be things like calcium, phosphorus, magnesium, sodium, potassium, chloride, and sulfur. The big ones in here that I think we talk about a lot are going to be calcium because it's the most abundant mineral of building your bones. We talked about it, I think, in the last episode about how, like, calcium was often like, you guys need to drink so much milk. got milk campaign yeah but realistically you can just get it from other natural food sources as well and then magnesium our goat everyone loves magnesium but it's critical for metabolic processes in the body and obviously all the other health benefits stress sleep i've never gotten so many magnesium questions i don't know i feel like whenever i talk about it once maybe maybe that's something that we fix oh maybe (laughs) (laughs) the next one is going to be um trace minerals or micro minerals the you know the fun fancy laundry list is going to be Iron, manganese, copper, iodine, zinc, cobalt, fluoride, and selenium. I almost said selenium. I've been watching on TikTok too much. Uh. Um, we talk about these ones a lot. I think iron is going to be one of the most critical uh, trace minerals to focus on because the hemoglobin found in red blood cells that carries the oxygen through the body is going to be found from iron, and it's also needed to regulate your energy metabolism. So this is going to be one that is like critical for people that are um, have low. Um, red blood cell count so if you also are experiencing like any sort of anemic um things from a vitamin d deficiency you also could need to up your iron i think like a lot of doctors recommend this to anyone who's like going through the eating disorder recovery process is like take an iron supplement
0: or something like that or just women generally yeah and i think with like micronutrients these ones are so easy to overlook and it's i think as long as you you know i'm not gonna tell you what you know supplements you should take but a multivitamin and probably vitamin d will cover most of your bases especially if your multivitamin includes iron because also it's like no one has time to like you know track Check. what they're Check like hydro. cobalt yeah like go on to like chronometer or whatever and like look at like their levels and it's like you're not gonna die if you're like not meeting your like everyday daily recommended values yeah
1: but it's like accumulating over time i think that's how deficiencies start to happen and like our generation i think we don't really think about like overall like our routine and what we're missing every single day and I think it's like hard to get in a regimen where either like I'm remembering to take my multivitamin every day or like oh shit I didn't have any nutritional yeast today or I didn't have any magnesium today and if you start to do that every single day that's when the routines and habits start to slip up so like I was saying it's going to be all just like routines and shit the next category of like micronutrients and how it relates to macros are just going to be calories overall Um, I kind of spoke about this earlier, but a calorie is not a calorie. Like your body does not process broccoli as it does sugar um, like a donut the same way because it's going to absorb different nutrients and so like if an item has a lot more fiber the body's going to absorb different amounts of nutrients than if it doesn't just based on how the digestive system works how strong your gut flora is and also with calories too like it's going to change based on your bmi and your muscle mass i know a lot of people in the eating disorder like experience you get like very strict, like you need to have 2000 or 2500 or 3000 calories to get some sort of weight restoration but if you have muscle mass that's going to change a lot and like the whole bmi bullshit that you're going to hear in recovery is not as accurate either um and so with metabolism i think this is a really interesting area for like those with female hormones that your metabolism actually changes throughout your cycle We mentioned this in the podcast about periods and menstruation and female hormones a lot about how you might need more calories or less calories throughout the cycle. And like, you might be really hungry during this part of your period and that's all natural. Um, so for example, your second phase of your cycle, you could actually need like up to 200 to 400 calories more. I remember it from the podcast. Mm. So it's just really, I think, important to like not think about binary numbers when it comes to calories. Cause once again, your body knows what to do a lot more than your brain does and your silly little calorie rules and your like fucking tracking apps do. So it's hard. I think when you do come from a place where you don't have exact hunger cues to know what's up, but like You, I think, can't have so much pressure on yourself that you need to, like, hit a certain amount of calories every day. Make sure you check chronometer and make sure you have the exact amount of sodium and fluoride for the day. Like, it's it's such, no one has time for that shit. The last part I think everyone kind of cares about is, like, the gut microbiome and how that plays over with overall macros and micros is that the gut is going to impact the bioavailability of micronutrients that the host can also be influenced by. So like if your gut isn't strong, it cannot process all the nutrients. So let's say you're eating some beautiful macro bowl with like kale that has vitamin A and this and all that. And if your gut is not strong, you're probably just going to like poop it out. <laughs> unfortunately, I'm sorry to all the girlies with IBS. So that's why I think gut health is going to be another like factor that could contribute to like How much of a wellness guide you even can become? Like, you could, on paper, be doing everything, quote, like, well, but at the end of the day, if your gut's not strong... I don't know, girlies. I don't know about your... Your microavailability. Yeah, your bioavailability. I don't know about it. Um, The last part, to close out the episode, I think is, like, a difficult one, but what is valid good information to trust? Are we valid good information? I think so, but it's oftentimes when you're looking at any sort of medical research. I kind of said this earlier, but... If you're able to look at who's funding the research now this might be really difficult to do but let's say you're looking at some study or like if you're reading an article and let's say they reference a medical study you click into like the medical journal and you look at the study on like harvard medical or something and it has like an abstract a conclusion whatever once you get to the bottom and like you go to the references or sources they do have to disclose like where the research was funded by so oftentimes that's a way that you could find out like did pepsi like pay these this college. Let's say they paid the like Vanderbilt Medical. Sorry, Vanderbilt. I don't know why I just like thought of that. But if there is some sort of like conflict of interest where like there's a medical research thing being done and it's like often funded by things like Nestle or Pepsi Cola, I would flag that as like not being a good thing of research. But at the same time, if you're thinking about websites like Healthline, Mind Body Green. I don't know. Well and good. Any health website that's going to have to make health claims from liability purposes, like, they're not going to want to use bad research. So, like, if you're being a pretty good consumer with, like, going down the right, like, medical journals and sources, most, like, liability-wise, they're not going to use, like, shit research. But it's something that comes out in, like, 20 years. Like, we were talking about in the 70s how this bad research was done about, like, low-fat diets, like, cholesterol is the devil. It took 30 years of new research to expose that yeah that actually wasn't a good study so i think with any research or any sort of buzz you're hearing about now like maybe in 20 years we're going to hear that like shit keto is like really bad and had all these effects on women's fertility or like intermittent fasting really hurt this type of a population for like let's say young women in their 20s shouldn't be doing that or like Young men and their whatever shouldn't be doing paleo. So, I think with any like new diet or trend that is buzzy, just take it with a grain of caution that you're not going to really know until like the future. And I think another like way to suss out information is if if it's ever tested on women, for example, the multivitamin I take ritual actually funds clinical research on like the highest level testing on women. Which, when I first heard that a few years ago, when I was listening to founder talk, I was like, damn, that's really fucked that, like, no vitamins are actually tested on women. And they're, like, female hormone vitamins. They're either tested on lab rats or men. And so I think if you're finding any sort of, like, smaller companies or companies that are trying to break through in this new wave of research and, like, test on a diverse population, that could be another really good company to support. Always, like, peer-reviewed medical journals are a good bet, too. Um, Definitely just do not trust what you see on TikTok or Instagram because misinformation is crazy out there you could go down instagram and see like exact conflicting information from like 75
0: people like don't come to our meme page looking for actual like (laughs) proper information please
1: don't take my memes as advice on like what to do with your gut like maybe but also no do your own research please the memes can only go so far but
0: you know the pod so yeah don't cut out any macronutrients eat just like a well diverse diet we will not be
1: funding a mission trip to banana island with freely (laughs) we will not be what else could we do um i'm not gonna make you guys eat like i don't really know what other fucked up things i just my brain goes to high carb low fat veganism just like
0: romaine lettuce and if there's any new
1: sort of like bad like diet rabbit hole let me
0: know because i've i never went down like weird like fitness ones like i never went down like i feel like the only current one now and one thing that i'm trying to like not step away from, but maybe diversify my podcast, like shows that I listen to is that like, it's all just all keto. I'm like, yeah, it's interesting. Sure. Whatever. But I want to
1: hear something new. I know. Yeah. And it's all like dudes. I think I'm I were talking about that earlier. Yeah. It's like, it's difficult to find diverse sources and female sources because it's like such a systemic thing where like, I want to find them, but then it becomes a point of research where you're like, I can't find them. And then you're like, why can't I find them? And it's like, Oh, because women are not allowed to go to colleges and like all that, you know, it's been like a systemic thing that's been like working on the medical field. Um, but that's besides the point. Um, but I was getting more into like, I was on TikTok and I saw that some people take pre-workout from the little scooper, put it straight into their mouth. Like, these are college girls that go to, like, like sorority schools. I saw these, like, blonde girls, like, in Florida. Florida State, I think their college was. And they were, like, going to the college gym and just did that. And I was like, is this a whole, like, diet culture thing I missed out on? Because, frankly,
0: I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pass on that one.
1: I was, you know, I think our platform, our meme page, or Geneva people, I I would, I don't want to categorize people in the same camp, but I feel like we have a lot of introverts, a lot of people that were a little bit, on the edges in high school, like not... Outliers. Outliers, not in the in crowd. You were a floater. Yeah, a floater. And so I don't really know what like the cool diets were, if that makes sense. I don't know what the popular girls were doing. Was it like laxatives? I don't want to know. I don't <laughs> fucking want to know. Um If you've come from that, we all are also here with welcoming arms to get you out of that hellscape, whatever diet Once hellscape. Once
0: everyone can be a CMOS girly.
1: Yeah, everyone can. And it's gender neutral on the record. Knock on wood, we don't have any issues with like the Seamouse girlies. Like that's that was always gender neutral, guys. Yeah.
0: Um, Emma, what else are you gonna do tonight? Um, uh, drink my magnesium. Yeah, it's eight seventeen. Get this Patreon going. Yeah, because we're recording this on Sunday,
1: so you guys will have the Patreon by tomorrow. The Patreon will be in the link of this podcast. You can click and then. It's truly like going to an amusement park with Emma and I, and we're taking you down a fucking roller coaster, and
0: you just You can finally see our faces, too. I feel like no one really, like, so many people don't really know who the meme makers are, who the voices are of this podcast. And frankly, if you don't want to know,
1: that's on you. But if you do want to know, we are now giving you exclusive access to Emma and I. We do, now I've decided, well, I've decided, I don't know if Emma wants to, but I want to do a gum taste testing video as one of our mukbangs. I'm down. Just 30 minutes of us chewing the gum from the baseball. We just looked this up. What is it called? The big league chew. Big league chew. I want to eat a whole sack of baba. I want to have a baba. <laughs> so yeah, some things that you guys can do: join Geneva. The link will be in the bio of this podcast. You can now sign up for our Patreon for some sexy, exclusive content. You can follow the meme page, follow Emma and i on socials, leave us a five-star review in the Apple Podcast Store. And, you know, like that, um, live, laugh, love, and CMOS. Peace and love. Talk to y'all later. Thanks for listening to the What the Fuck is CMOS podcast.